One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Rule the Roost podcast, Jack and Raj here, um, it makes it sound like I've got a split personality, this new, because as, as this intro thing has been unfolding, like that episode of, of Atlanta this, where you transracial, please, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of gotten a bit muddled hasn't it, but I guess that's very befitting of the world in which we inhabit right now. Um, yeah, we're a podcast um, focused on the club formerly known as Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's not a lot to talk about today, really. Do, much, is there? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be a bit of a going to be a bit of a difficult one. Um, mm-hmm. Very short of material. Jose Mourinho has gone, and Tottenham Hotspur have. Gone, <laughs> the game's gone. My ass is gone. Yeah. Um, where where do we begin, mate? Where do we begin? Like- uh, I've no idea. It's been really weird. Um, uh, it's up to you. You 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 drive, and I'll chip in. I I don't know where to start or or how to process thoughts, and uh, I guess we'll work out how that'll happen as we go along. All right. Well, yes. Yesterday, I, I was round round. Let's me start rent's at the beginning. House. Yeah, let's do that. All right. I was I was round at my rent's house, and it was my dad's birthday, and so you know, sort of basking in that nice familial glow of yeah, we can see people again now. I haven't seen them mm-hmm. for a good few months, and all that sort of thing. And then sort of check the uh, the. The Arsenal score came up as a as a like a an alert just on my phone that Fulham were one nil up, but I, I it was like an old alert and I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it until about the eighty fifth minute or so, right. and so I I was really annoyed because I was like now that this exi- I was in blissful ignorance I didn't even know Arsenal were playing at this point in time, yeah. um, I was in blissful ignorance. I would have seen it later on and been like, oh, Arsenal scored in the 97th minute. That's annoying. But I didn't. I saw Fulham winning away at the Emirates and instantly I was like, well, this is annoying because now I know Arsenal are either going to equalise or win from this point. Um, and then, lo and behold, the, the obvious happened. And a game that I didn't care about at all, I suddenly cared about. Um mm-hmm. Such is football a lot of the time, um, yeah. for all the posturing, and then I was sort of like just like kind of you know it was sort of a bit of downtime like I sort of put the phone down and you spend a bit of time realizing all right I haven't seen my family for like a year properly so I should probably mm-hmm. talk to them and not just sit there looking at my phone but then 
you know, whatever. Someone gets up, makes a cup of tea, conversation breaks a bit, someone's talking to someone else, you just have a little peek, and then I start to see, you know, plans for the European Super League come out again. And I'm, you do, you, I sort of brushed it off, you know, because we've seen yeah, this cause we, yeah, talk. Yeah, I was going to say, when they first came up, first happened, it's sort of like, oh, it's, it's time for this story again, is it? Exactly. You know, it's just, oh, all right, we're coming towards the end of the season, we're coming up to... Champions League crunch time, it's season ticket renewal time, you know, just let's just regurgitate the news cycle kind of thing. And I didn't really think much of it until kind of got home, so closer to sort of, I guess, like eight, nine o'clock or so, mm-hmm. and you start to see, you know, when, like, for example, so say, like, before Mourinho went, Last week, there were people who, uh, yeah, people like Alistair Gold, who is very close. You know, he works for, I can't remember, Football London, but you know he's very associated with the club and is probably one of the journalists that gets briefed by the club, you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. And when certain people start talking about certain topics, you're like, there's something in this now. This yeah. is This is a bit weird and just... You're Fabrizio and you're Arnstein. Yeah, and like kind of the more of those names that started talking about it and certain publications start talking about a European Super League and in very, um, I guess, direct terms. There wasn't wasn't a lot of room for interpretation in the way it was being kind of reported this time. It was very matter-of-fact. Yeah. And you just started to get that little kind of tickle in the pickle that that there was something afoot. Um, and so, you know, much as I sort of tend to have it, it's that kind of a default back to that jaded sort of like, well, what do you really expect from it, football? And then, then Gary Neville's thing came up. And my sort of immediate reaction to that, funnily enough, inversely, was a bit like Sky Sports and the Premier League hand-wringing over this, like, do me a fucking favour, with the moral outrage, like, back in your fucking box, lads. Like, I'm sure... I did a tweet to the effect of, like, I'm sure there was some side-eye at FAHQ at the kind of... You know, oh, how dare they do this to the moral fabric of our game um, coming out of the Premier League and Sky Sports the last couple of days. Bit of a side issue, and I don't really want to detract from the main sentiment of which I largely share. Um, But, I mean, as, as, as kind of, you know, sort of sleep on it a bit, you wake up and just see this morning that no, this is this is happening, right? This this ESL thing, it it doesn't appear to be a bargaining chip. It doesn't appear to be some kind of move anymore to force UEFA's hand to do anything. This seems to be the the nuclear option. This this genuinely does seem to be the shovey competition. We've had it. Like we we're, we're doing this and see you later um and do, that do or it's the the pistols drawn at dawn who blinks first sort of a the ultimate power play sort of a 
Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, who calling each of us bluffs? That sort of shit. My my, my only sort of caveat to that is I I was kind of on board with that until you have the likes of JP Morgan starting. To oh, I'm not saying the that's conflict. the case. I'm just saying oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah, what yeah. you consider it could be. At the time. Oh yeah, big time, big time, and. You know, I mean, I think so. My as it sort of started to solidify that this was all normal, because like I say, there was just this level of ambivalence about it. This kind of jaded kind of like, yeah, well, it's football. There's a lot of kind of this shit, and they're just, well, we know what this is. It will end up being a pre-season tournament, or some bollocks will happen, or they'll get their thirty-ninth game, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The sort of thing where you're just like fuck it, this sort of thing's going to happen. And when you start to sort of see this ESL thing going off like, you know, like a bit of a nuclear bomb, this kind of thing that is probably going to completely change the landscape of football. I mean, this, this sounds, (laughs) it sounds bad, but the, the, the moral dilemma isn't as pointed for me and as much as like, football is morally bankrupt across the board as it is I, I, and i don't i don't really yeah there there are a lot of moral and ethical implications that arise as a result of the esl but at the same time it's kind of it's 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 a bit bald men fighting over a comb in a way um i think to to say like oh you know the esl's really corrupt and horrible we should stick with the Premier League and UEFA and FIFA, you know, it it just doesn't, it doesn't really ring true on that level for me. I think if you can reconcile football and its moral insidiousness at this point, I don't, I don't really think this is plummeting to any murkier depth per se. I, I just, you know, what my my main source of frustration around this is. I just think it's gonna be fucking boring. It's just it, to me, it just it, it it's removed the jeopardy, the sense of achievement, the the fact that it took us so long to break into that top four. Like anybody from outside of our club can can look in on Tottenham and say. Look how fucking tin pot they were when Peter Crouch scored that goal in Manchester and got Tottenham into the top four. Their first ever season in the Champions League, being known as the Champions League. Um, I look at them all celebrating like it's a, a cup. But to me, it genuinely was. To me, it was th- w- probably the most momentous thing I've seen Tottenham achieve in my life. Bigger, bigger than the League Cup. Um, I was too young to really remember or appreciate fully the FA Cup. I wasn't um, even born. Yeah, you know, and seeing... at the time, the, the that that top four finish was something I never thought I would ever see. Happen. Exactly. Like, and that first Champions League campaign, I was genuinely like, I never thought I would live to see the day that Tottenham would be in in this competition against this kind of opposition. Seeing all those, all those. Huge, because I've always, I've always loved the Champions League for a start. Like I've, I've always been a bit of a, a, a fanboy, but I've, you know, the music, the 
fucking ball thing in the center circle the just seeing like the the best teams in the world really i mean let's not like i don't think it's a eurocentric opinion to say that it 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 might be as a result of various societal ills that have seen it become that way um so i don't think it's any kind of like divine right to be the best teams in the world but they just are the best teams in the world and it's it's, it's you know the chance to see tottenham play Inter Milan, Real Madrid, all all these fucking teams that I've only ever yeah, we'd only ever played in preseason friendlies when no one gives a fuck, or in FIFA or something like that. And it was I was just I was absolutely buzzing. And it was just yep. every single time we've gotten yep. into it, I've never taken it for granted. Like I've I've I'd always almost dreamed of seeing Tottenham in the Champions League. And then to what cut It's not even that, man. If you you rewind a few you rewind a few weeks, and we're still buzzing about the possibility of going deep in the Europa League. Yes, yeah. European competition as a as a whole is is not something we take for granted or uh, sort of see ourselves above us. The the sort of the early rounds of the Europa League might be a bit of a pain in the ass and might have extended our season more than it ought to have done, but it's it's still something that you know by no means are we above or or can look down our noses at. No. Winning that competition would have been the most significant thing either of us would have seen in our Tottenham supporting lives. And for most Tottenham fans, it would have been exactly the same. And I mean, do we even, you know, like you say, you cut kind of to a decade or so later. The fact that Tottenham were in the final of the Champions League, like they they literally had in Ajax, the away leg, uh a tie that was as seismic and memorable almost as, you know, Liverpool's 3-3 comeback against AC Milan or you know, we didn't win the fucker, I get that. But, yeah. you know, it it was, even for neutrals, the Ajax comeback is memorable. It's the stuff of legend. And it, yeah, I, I know we don't have the, the pedigree of... Liverpool or Manchester United or even maybe Nottingham Forest in in European football but as English and even British clubs go we do have European pedigree Arsenal can always hold over us that they've got more domestic titles than us but we've got far more European pedigree than that fucking arsehole of a club ever does and I, some of the takes today about this ESL stuff are like why are Spurs in there They've got less European pedigree than the likes of PSG, blah, blah, blah. Listeners. PSG have won fuck all in Europe, so get to fuck. Like, Tottenham are a European football club. Without without European football, this club is nothing. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's part of it. We change our fucking kit for European competition. Yeah. Like, it, some of the most the hallmarks, like the supporters' trust statement around the whole thing said that we pride ourselves on our European heritage, the fact we're the first English club to win a European trophy is huge. Um, And it it just, it's, I I don't know, mate, it's really, it's, I'm, I'm very, I'm just very, I'm very sad. I'm very disheartened about the whole thing. And I'm, I, I want to be angry about it. I want to be really, pissed off and I, I I want to be 
I don't want to be surprised by it, but yeah, I oddly I still am in it because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just I guess I'm a, a naive romanticist like <laughs> person that still kind of holds faith. Like we spoke the other day of Levy and that yeah, he doesn't always get it right, but ultimately I think he kind of somewhere deep down does give a shit and things like this are just like what why did you know. Why do we give him that much credit? Like, and, and and again, I don't, I don't blame him entirely. Like, I think this is a football problem, but he's still contributing to it, you know. And it, yeah, it's sad. It's just sad. Oh yeah. I mean, to just build on what you're saying, when you talk about that Champions League campaign, the Ajax game in the final, that is that entire process from that quarter final through to the final is. Probably the most uh, significant emotional period of my life, full stop. Um, in terms of it, it was, it, it captured my mind and heart and emotions fully in a way that nothing else ever has or possibly will. And I'm speaking as a man who at the time was preparing to get engaged and, um, you know, uh, have a wedding coming up still hasn't stirred anything even close to to what that time did um rightly or wrongly um it, it, to the point where you know we spoke for so long after that that it it left us so emotionally drained yeah. and, and and time to recover from and it was such a an undertaking and people probably go it's fucking football you it's not like you played you you watched from home all that sort of shit but that's what this club and that's what those competitions and and that kind of a thing mean to us. It still feels like an immense privilege and I still feel so lucky that even though it ultimately ended shit, we, we got that because nobody's ever going to take Ajax away from us and I might die tomorrow, but more than you know, most other football fans, I'll have seen my team line up for a Champions League final and like I said to you five minutes ago, whatever, I never dreamed of us actually playing in a group stage game, a qualifier for it, never mind the actual fucking final. Um, so to to kind of have the club disregard that or, or do something to jeopardise that is is um, is really disappointing. And like you, I'm not. I wasn't angry by it. I wasn't indignant. I didn't shout and swear and I, I, the thing is I wasn't particularly surprised either it was sort of a okay this is what they're doing now um you know the, the, the their lack of shame and their pursuit of money and their want for finance and their attempt to ring fence that and keep it for themselves isn't something that really crept up on us it was something that I think they were he, they've been quite overt about and, and never more so than yesterday, but it was it was just one of those moments where you kind of we align ourselves and our personalities and our thoughts and interests, our hopes and everything so closely to these institutions that really have no interest or or perhaps even need for us as as individuals or, or as a collective entity as fans or supporters or customers or clients, whatever the fuck you want to call us in this day. Um, Client IDs. And it, it kind, 
Yeah, it, it kind of makes you question question what you've been doing with your life and your time. The fact that we sit around and we do this for hours and end and we we play so much of our identity and loving these things. For them to kind of so blatantly go, oh, we don't really give a fuck about that as long as we get ours and as long as we're the, the businesses we want to be and everything. That's the thing that kind of you kind of feel embarrassed about and that's probably the overriding emotion of it is is embarrassment. I mean, and perversely, Jack, at the same time, I'm, I, I'm not, given we're being honest, there was a very, as embarrassed as I was, there was a small amount of kind of perverse pride in the fact that our little club yeah. was 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 involved in it and I kind of I kind of enjoyed the fact that so many people were like, why the fuck are Tottenham involved? And we're like, well, maybe this is the after all we've said and all we've tried to explain, maybe this is finally the fucking time where you'll sit up and go, oh, actually that's a that's a big ass team over there. Maybe, you know, us having to go back decades upon decades to think about the relevance of Forest and Derby and Leeds and whoever the fuck else. Uh, maybe we've been slightly misguided in how relevant and how meaningful that actually is. And that that's not to take away from how relevant and meaningful it is to their fan bases and things and, and the historical context of the game, but in the actual real meaning of the game right this very second, it, it, it's, it's nothing but a YouTube clip. Um, and and there was that moment where sort of, you know, people are people are firing pelters at, at these six teams, these wider twelve teams, but more the six teams in England, and um, and I, I kind of had that moment where I was I was obviously firing back and think the entire thing, much as you do and everyone else does, is despicable. But was, there's a point of me as well where I'm kind of like, it don't matter who you support. You support Grimsby, Blackpool, Bolton, whoever the fuck it is. If they got invited to this thing, they would accept in milliseconds, they would do exactly the same as our clubs have done. And the only reason they're not involved isn't because they're morally superior like some people have tried to feign they are. Because, as you say, the entire, the entire sport really is is crooked and fucked to its core, no matter what level you go to. There are some clubs in League Two or the conference that are the Super League wanters of, of that level. You know, Gary Neville's grandstanding, but he's currently in the process of pumping as much money through Salford as he can to get them into the Premier League and everything. So it's not as if we're this whiter-than-white sport as it is, and it's kind of a... I saw it as more of a wider reflection of of the game as a whole rather than just those clubs involved. And those clubs are... The only reason those clubs are involved is because they're currently the the selection of big clubs that are there now. Um, Yeah, it was just... I kind of... I might be more sort of agnostic to it than than most because I kind of foresee... A thing where if it happens, it happens and people will be annoyed by it until it becomes a status quo. 
Because I, I'm not old enough to remember the Premier League. I was born in 1992, so the only thing I've known is this this structure of the English football pyramid. But I imagine there was very similar feelings around the time that the Premier League was introduced and they wanted to jump in bed with Sky. And the reasons for that were purely financial as well. And, and Tottenham again were at the heart of that because Alan Sugar had his contract to make the fucking satellite dishes for Sky. It this this game has been broken and and the focus of it has been has been awry for my entire lifetime if if you want to be entirely truthful about it and just how brazen people are being about it is is probably you know the only thing that's new about it but it's it's one of those things where i, I kind of think that you know are we going to get to a point where in in 10 15 years time you know the Super League will be a big thing, and and then we'll be kind of like, oh, the big teams in the Super League will be going, oh, this isn't good enough for us now. Do we need to make the the next thing? It, it just seems like it's a, a cyclical thing where not just in sport or this sport particularly, or in society where people who have the most don't seem to be satiated by having the most. They always want more. And it's always the people less than that it kind of shits on. But that's no different to day-to-day life and, and the other parameters of the world. It's just kind of just kind of the way of the world, and it seems to be a reflection of that. I don't really have a conclusion for it because it's so so new and so raw. But, yeah, it's, it's a mix of sort of um, embarrassment and bewilderment and and, um, and just sort of weirdly feeling numb to it. And then we'll come on to what happened sort of 12 hours into it. You wake up and you sort of, the statements have been posted and so you've kind of slept on it and you're kind of, you're gearing yourself up to, to be mad at the club and then they bury the news or distract you from it by sacking the manager and you kind of, weirdly your, your mentality shifts and you become a supporter again and you're kind of like oh Ryan Mason's in charge Mourinho's gone and you, you yeah and the memes start and it's just it's such a head fuck man it's kind of it's supposed to be a pastime it's supposed to be a folly it's supposed to be where we go to escape from day-to-day life and politics and and society it's supposed to be something that gives us joy and and satisfaction in a in a way that, yeah, we, we we make more of it than it's supposed to, but we choose to do that to give our lives some significance and meaning beyond the fact that we're just things that exist by fluke and not to get too existential about it. But, you know, it just, you, you just wish it was a game that we could enjoy rather than having to talk about it like this, because this isn't when we're kids and we're kicking balls about and we want to support the team that's got the cock on the ball and, and hero worship the players and everything, this isn't what we fall in love with the sport to discuss and, and be involved with. It's just uh, it's a shame it's come to this and where it goes from here and how it shakes out you know, remains to be seen because uh, fuck knows really. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, I guess... Yeah, you know, we've we've both had a chance to 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 air a lot of what we're feeling in pretty sort of long form, um, and I mean I I think this is obviously going to be something that we're going to be talking about a lot over the coming weeks. So I mean we're not really looking for any solidified positions on anything because um, no, nothing is solidified. The, no. the fuckers have they've had half an agreement and they've. Rele- all release the same statement. There's nothing actually set in stone or anything. So there's, it's it's vibes, mate. Everyone, you can check into our 24 hour ESL vibes, but otherwise, I don't know what the fuck you're expecting from us. I mean, one of the things I uh, I was thinking though, as as this news did break, um, I texted you <laughs> like as soon as I got the news, <laughs> I'd been like, well, I think it's safe to assume that Mourinho's going nowhere now. Because I, I, I just took this as, right, you know... Statements in line as, as memorable as uh, the Titanic will never see. Yeah, isn't it, right? Like, because I, I, my sort of thoughts were, you know what? Like, this is all bigger than just the kind of wants and needs of a fan base. Oh, we don't like how he plays football. For the same reasons we got him in because he was attractive for the Amazon documentary. If we're entering this worldwide... ESL conglomerate. Who do you want at the helm more than box office Jose Mourinho? And I thought, right, this is it now. This is he's he's given it that crack of the whip. But the reason why he's kind of perhaps not gone fully toxic and he's not really kicked off that much is because he's been talking to Levy all the way along in the background, like right. So this ESL shit's happening. We're about to get a two billion euro windfall from that. This summer, you'll have your transfer kitty. 
COVID's kind of coming to an end, at least the impact of COVID on sport as we know it is coming to an end. Um, you're going to have your transfer kitty, 200 mil. Let's just keep it happy. Try and win the Carabao. And that's it. But then, fucking, lo and behold, what, about 10 o'clock this morning? 11 o'clock? He's well, gone. I think it, yeah, 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 something like that. He's gone. Um, I mean, it get much like it. Uh, <laughs> I just like the, the the pause there as you're still coming to terms with the past twelve hours. I, yeah, I mean, it, it totally is, and I mean, it's kind of it's it's much like when we first got him in, uh, even against my better. I would say, not even against my better judgment, better judgment is not the right way of framing it, but just against, I guess, my preconceived biases. Yeah. I was quite buzzing to have him in. Um, and probably in the way in which I'd sort of sat on the fence for a lot of his tenure. Um, well, we've discussed this previously, Jack, the reason... That is, is because, and this feeds back into that ESL chat, we want the best for the football team yeah. because we're invested in the football team. And if that means Mourinho's the next manager, we, we're not going to automatically set out with the mentality that we're fucked because what is that really going to serve us other than misery until he's gone? You kind of want to you give him the space to succeed or fail. And... Um, and that's why I think we we had that sort of mixed yet tentatively positive reaction to him being appointed because you you can't really do anything else of, as a fan because otherwise you you're just going to be miserable and your your fucking pastimes ruined. Yeah, and that's all true. But I I cannot lie. Like in in my heart, in my soul, in everything, I just felt an immediate kind of an immediate cloud lift as soon as the news came that he was yep. he was gone yep i was delighted oh yeah massive smile across my face as soon as i knew and i'd, I'd kind of you, you we, we i felt really uncomfortable about football because obviously the people you're around and you work with and everything it's a topic of conversation and and because you support one of the clubs that's involved you kind of have this like associated shame for no good yeah. reason um and people are like, oh, why do you think you could be all this? Oh, fucking, you know, I don't really want this conversation with you. And then Mourinho gets sacked and you're kind of like, oh, fucking hell. The, the sky is blue. But I kind of, I, I want to make a point at this point, uh, if that is a, a, a shit sentence, but I'll go with it. Um, I don't, I didn't ever hate him. No. Um, like, I don't actually have anything against him. And Not I'm, from this tenure. I don't. No, and, I, and, I, and I'm kind of sad it didn't work out. And I'm... I, f I feel I'm, bad for him. Yes, I, I'm so glad you feel the same way. When, like, the, everyone was doorstepping him and he's fucking unpacking his pictures of himself, which, a bit Brent, but, you know, is what it is. The man is, like, pushing 60, if not over 60 or whatever. Um... I felt bad for him, and I, I, yeah. I, I kind of like, oh, I'd, I'd liked it to work out. Like I was genuinely excited earlier on in the season when it looked like he'd recaptured his mojo and he'd we'd become this counter-attacking side that would just 
sack teams off in a half and then sit back and swallow them whole. It was fucking fun. And the fact that he shat his pants and sort of gave up on himself after that West Ham game is really disappointing and really sad. But I'm, it's not like the Sherwood sacking or, or tenure where, I, like... I, I don't even think it was like his United tenure when he oh, no. kind of was a pretty nasty, toxic character. I, I think he... <sighs> I think he got a bit of a, a raw deal on that side of things. The way people were saying that he... I think they amped up the drama of his toxicity quite a bit during his Tottenham tenure. I think he oh, was... Well, you need column inches, don't you? And, yeah, uh, I, I think he was largely well-behaved, if I'm going to be honest. So, for, for for his... Uh, yeah. For, for sort, of, for sort of in his parameters, he was, yeah. I mean, you know... Do you know what it is, mate? Do you know why I, I feel sad? And the, the thing is, right... The ultimate thing is, for a character like Jose Mourinho, I think he's a kind of, you know, like, hated, adored, never ignored type yeah. guy. And I think he, he lives and dies by that and loves it. And I, I think there's nothing he'd hate more than the idea of people feeling bad for him or somehow sort of pitying him. But, and again, pity feels like a very pointed term but maybe yeah. that's what it is because you know it's he's been such a fixture of top flight football for yeah. so long to to see him sort of shuffle towards irrelevance is really weird because you it's know depressing the other managers of his level didn't really do that fergie was relevant till the end wenger had that weird sort of last decade probably at Arsenal yeah. where they wanted rid of him, but I'm sure they've they've probably changed their tune a little bit more now since, you know, the grass isn't greener shock. Um but he's kind of because he's never really been anywhere for all that long. He he's never it's almost it's probably a, an oddly fitting end for him in that, you know, an abrasive figure flew high to the sun, highest highs, lowest lows sort of a thing. But it's it is still strange, and even when like Carl was on the podcast, and he obviously hated him as a Man United supporter and as a wanting the best for his club, he even said that you know football's better for having a good Jose Mourinho in it. Like his, he's still got the spark and glint in his eye in the press conferences. He can still spin a line and you know be box office when he needs to be box office. It just, and I don't actually think. The easy line and the thing that people say when they're shagging spreadsheets and all that sort of shit is that the games move past him by and all that sort of stuff. I don't think that is actually the case. I just think the man has lost confidence in himself. I think it's a more emotional issue with him than a footballing one because somebody who the game has passed by does not get Tottenham playing the type of football he got us playing when we were at our best. Because we were really fucking good for a few weeks and genuinely good. And there was no good reason, really, for us to abandon that other than the fact that the manager kind of bottled it and lost confidence in it and reverted to type. And and he, he ought not to have done. And had he been more confident, perhaps had he been a bit younger and a bit more self-assured, we'd have been better off for it and he would have been able to right that wrong. But... And even the stuff about him losing the the dressing room, I don't think that was out of like because he was a cunt. I think it was just because like 
they were kind of like, oh, this this isn't working, is it? Like he 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 might not know what he's doing as much as he used to. This kind of it's kind of like when you go see Santa at the at the shopping center and it's a a bloke that stinks of booze rather than mm-hmm. the magical thing. Like it's that illusion drops and they kind of he's probably lost the dressing room because they've they've all played against these great Mourinho teams and heard about the great Mourinho legend and myth. And in reality, it's just a, an old bloke who... It's a Wizard of Oz, isn't it? You know, it's... Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah, they've seen behind the curtain and uh, and he's telling them to be cunts and it's it's, it's, you know, it's a bit more than that these days. Yeah, it's... You know, I think it's... Because I still, I still reject the... You know the stuff I've seen in the past few weeks. Uh, it's his job to coach them. I mean, I this is this is one thing I really, I really object to. I, I've got to say this kind of throwaway idea that, you know, Jose Mourinho is entirely responsible for a squad that still largely is comp like comprised of components that Mauricio Pochettino for the last two years of his tenure was saying needed rebuilding. We need to be brave. We need to brace ourselves for a painful rebuild. All that stuff hasn't gone away. Um, I also feel that, you know, this kind of sense that he was backed. I mean, there's backing someone and there's backing someone. Like, I, I, I get that the man is tired, um, and it's not an I told you so to you or to anybody listening or to anything. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. I've I've stated, like, from the very beginning, when a lot of people were saying, for example, Hoybier was... Well, and you didn't ever say this, so I'm not... This genuinely isn't a dig at you, but a lot of people were kind of almost quick to be, like, lumping players like Hoybier in a sort of bracket with the likes of Kane and Son and stuff. And I've always sort of maintained that level of like, just, I mean, chill out a bit. Like the the <laughs> guy is good and he's, he is necessary for us. He's fulfilling uh, a, a position of a, a function in our team that we haven't had since, you know, at least a player in a sort of sitting defensive midfield role since, Mr. Dembele, Victor Wanyama, probably, you know, and mm-hmm. he's not, he, he isn't even on the level with either of those players remotely. Like, but it's still, the fact we have somebody like that has afforded Tangi the platform to go and be a bit more expressive and do what he wants to do. Probably would have done with Lachelso had he been not made of quavers. And then, thus in turn, it's allowed our forward options, our Kane, our Son, to get back into doing what they're good at. Um, yeah. But this this sort of sense that, like, Hoybier was a, a player, and he still could go on and be good, but I've, I just I don't think he's a player that... He, he's not going to bother any of the teams above us to get into their starting lineup. And, I mean, I think when you're kind of defaulting back to saying that Jose Mourinho was backed because we did a part exchange with Southampton for a player that was in the last year of his contract that they didn't seem overly asked about losing. Yeah. Um, and 
took a part exchange for Carl Walker Peters on that, basically. And then gave him Matt Doherty, who, yeah, okay, I'll hold my hands up. As if I'm going to, I told you so on the other one, I thought Matt Doherty was going to be fucking quality when we first signed him. But again, has turned out to be another player who, surprise, surprise, his parent club at the time weren't particularly that asked about losing. Um, He's dog shit. Uh, you know, and I'm, I mean, I, f- I think if you're gonna if you're gonna be true to yourself, just saying that he was backed or that he should have coached the players better, I think is I think is I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest is like is willfully obtuse. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, he cannot you cannot account for the level of consistent individual errors that we have seen Tottenham and particular Tottenham players sort of put on display for, like I say now, the last three years. Like, so many people, players like Eric Dyer, like, I, I love Eric Dyer, like, to a degree. I love him as a bloke. I think he seems like a very nice guy, but come on, he's a, he's a fucking squad player. Like, he's a filler. If we're talking about a painful rebuild, I'm sure... Pochettino had earmarked all the players that were going to be painful. You know, I think when he had to like cut the likes of Mason from the team, that was painful for him. Mason yep. was one of his boys; he loved him. But this, yeah, exactly. Alive. This is why he spoke about this in these terms, and I'm sure it was players like Jan Vertonghen. I'm sure it was players like Toby Alderweireld, like Eric Dyer, Danny Rose. Yeah, that Poch like he loved them, and he got a great friendship. But he knew that these these lads were not fit for purpose anymore. So, I th- And I think he would have got rid of them in a way yeah. as well that didn't like burn bridges. Like I think he would have sat down and explained to people why they're going and they, they probably would have got it because they're professional footballers. They will, they will know and they'll be aware of themselves that, yeah, I ain't, I ain't the player I once was and these lot need a bit more. And if the guy is coming to me and has the respect for me to go, we'll, we'll get you the best situation we can elsewhere. But, you know, this isn't for you anymore, then that's fine. And it's just, yeah, it's 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 a weird one with Mourinho because um, you're right, he wasn't backed. And, and there are so many other problems um, at the club. And we haven't been shy in, in saying that. I think we were, we were quite hesitant to just automatically say, this is all his fault, he's getting it all wrong. As soon as we change a manager, it, it becomes amazing. If, even if we manage to pit Bayern to Nagelsmann, it, it, it seems to be the preference. I don't think that automatically, with this same squad and, and structure of your know, footballing structure, um, guarantees success. It might do in the short term, but but not long term in by any means. Um but it's the, the the case with the manager. It, it got to the point where he was a, it was a concern and it was an issue, but it wasn't the most pressing issue. But like a, a leak or a flood, it got to the point where that drip became a pour. Yeah, and it got to fucking, not just neck high, but you know lip height and nose height. And if we'd let it go any longer, then it would have become toxic and irreparable and worse. And and I stand by the fact that he probably should have gone after the Zagreb game because I think that was in itself a not just a, a, a sackable offence, but 
kind of showed that there's no there's no repairing something like that. If something is broken that badly that that can happen, I don't see how any repairs can be done with astonishingly that current bad. regime in place. It's it's in a in the 28 years I've supported Tottenham Hotspur, that is quite and there's there's some real fucking competition for this, Jack. You 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 will be as aware as anyone. One of the most embarrassing things I've ever witnessed as a Tottenham fan, if not the most, given the parameters, given the players that are on the pitch, Harry Kane's fucking starting, Hugo Lloris is starting, their, their manager is in prison for the match and we've we've lost it 3-0 and everything that all the other fans say about the club was absolutely true in that. You know, yep. A bunch of bottlers, Tottenham this, soft as fuck, never do all, banter club, all that. You bang on, you can't. Yep. And that's the worst point where you've got to hand, hold your hands up and kind of join in with the the banter about Spurs. You don't want to. You kind of want to... We got to a point with Pochettino where all that banter shit was dying down and people we were almost like becoming... Uh, which was, I was also uncomfortable with. We were becoming people's like second club because they're like, oh, shit, look at Spurs. Look at what he's doing with almost mm. no money and all that sort of stuff. And it was nice that we were actually being respected as an entity, as an entity and, and all that's been lost. And, and again, I repeat, that's not entirely Jose Mourinho's fault, but he was not the answer to this. And if we didn't sack him now, it was only delaying the inevitable. And, and if he's lost the dressing room in the way the reports claim he has, then you've got to make a change sooner rather than later. Yeah. And it, it seems as if, Again, in a financial way, you know, the thirty million that apparently would have we'd have had to pay him because we're so shit and because we're so far down the league and what have you, it's only half of that, and you know, it's still a significant amount of money. It's still how much we paid for Doherty or Hoybier or whatever else we've had to pay to get rid of our manager, and and you know, in in any further statements, it would be good if if Daniel Levy were to, and he probably won't do this, but it'd be good if he if he held his hands up and went, look, at there was a, a certain way I expected this to pan out and work out and and it didn't and uh, that's on me. He sort of did step away. Well, yeah, he didn't put the, the it's on me part, but he sort of did, didn't he? Um, today with his statement about Jose Mourinho, um, to say that they'd worked well together and he's enjoyed every minute of it and it's a shame that the uh the proposition didn't you know it wasn't what either of them expected um, it wasn't what any what any of us hoped for really we wanted him to come in we wanted him to shit out a few cups for us which he largely still could cuz he he gets a certain if we somehow win on sunday he gets a certain amount of credit for that you don't get to take a, a team to the final and um not have some of that success attributed to you because uh, he did get us that far. I mean, it's not as if we pulled up trees in the, the League Cup on the way there, but you've got to be fair at some point. What I do, I do, do you know, like going into like the embarrassed side of things, though, I think it's embarrassing for... I feel embarrassed for him. And I just feel embarrassed about us as a club, once again, that it's it's that kind of... <clears throat> the naivety that he had, and I guess we all had, that he'd be able to... Because we said this at the start. You can imagine he looked him from the outside and thought... <coughs> he didn't think that, but he thought, they've got Kane, they've got Son, 
They've got Alderweireld, Vertonghen, you know, a couple of other players here and there. Hugo Lloris in goal. Yeah, I can fucking, I can get these lot top four piece of piss. And we lapped it up. I think even the most cynical people probably genuinely thought Mourinho was going to deliver us a few things. Um, and I agree with you, he does in part get credit for this if he does deliver as a League Cup. Um, well, or if the team deliver a League Cup. Yeah. But the the problem with him is, is because I have, because, you know, I can imagine some people listening to this will be thinking that I'm being too kind for him, too kind to him and that I'm almost sort of defending him and lashing out at people that have been sceptical of him because yeah. I, I, I really don't want it to seem that way because on the, on the flip side of this, it's... The stuff that does really irritate me is that as much as I think that like this sense that he should be accountable because his coaching hasn't meant that Eric Dyer or Davinson Sanchez aren't going to be kept caught ball watching or something like that. Like if, you know, if you're getting paid the sort of sum of money that you are, like he was, mm-hmm. you know football well enough to identify that to know that mm-hmm. the, you know you, you don't have a transfer window coming up yet like you are in the middle of a season now these yep. are the tools at your disposal so you 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 just can't rely on that defense you can't you cannot keep playing this defensive style of football and just keep stubbornly sticking with that when you can see quite clearly our defence is the weakest part of our fucking squad. And, and not just that. And, but... and then when you've got Gareth Bale and Deli oh, Alli yeah. sat on the fucking bench, just fucking go for it, mate. Like, we, stop we, the what Everton you, what game, are you trying to show off? Like, we're chasing the Everton game and he brings on, what was it, Lucas Moore and Eric, Eric Lamella when we've got Gareth Bale sat on the bench. Gareth Bale, whose last few performances for Tottenham before, and for he was Wales, apparently barred from... In yeah, international he's been break. incredible. <laughs> You know, like just, just put that shit, and that's that's Mourinho, mate. That that is him. That bit, that that stubbornness, that refusal to like, whether it's a personal fucking thing he's got with Bale, or if it's that he doesn't want to have to give to the baying football press that Mourinho, because you know the 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 narrative did start to become like, look at this. Mourinho stops being stubborn and plays Bale, and then Tottenham start winning again. And you cannot help but think there's that bit of him that's like, I'll show them then. I'll win in the way I want to win. Well, it's because he he waited for the Mm. first sniff of a bad performance or a hint of something to do it. And it was almost as if he was looking for an excuse to do it the way he wanted to do it. It like that Arsenal game that all of them were shitting, to be quite frank. The fact that that led to Gareth Bale being expelled from starting another game is a joke because if that was the case and that's what he, everyone was being measured on, Harry Kane shouldn't start again because he was equally shit in that game. Yeah. And so on and so forth. It's just, like you said, the substitutions were becoming a real issue. The, the mentality of the squad, little things like the fucking... The look on Son's face in that interview after the Man United game, like it, it was shocking. Um, and clearly, clearly things had got too far 
with sort of the mood around the camp and things and um and it's it's just it's weird because like he, like you say it's I am genuinely excited now, even all this ESL stuff, all that sort of stuff, to see Ryan Mason lead the team out. Because, yeah. you know, given everything he's been through, what he means to the club and everything, he might be shit, but it's it's a nice thing. And it, what's equally nice is the fact that he might start fucking Gareth Bale and Deli Ali, the fact that those two might have a smile on the face, the fact that those two probably jumped into training today. Things like Danny Rose jumping out of the back of a van to Sky Sports News and having a laugh with them and going, oh, why are you lot here today? The lads seem happy because like the guy's gone who has been fucking miserable. And, you know, we, we might enjoy a few games of football now before, you know, we contribute to the ending of the sport as we know it. Um, so, it's yeah, it's, it's just such a weird, complex set of, emotions and outlooks because I fully believe if we tie these two points together that this decision was made on Friday if not beforehand and they were fully aware of what was coming and what was being discussed and they sat on this until a point where they needed some sort of goodwill or distraction piece for the fan base because there's there's no chance in hell that that statement being released last night and the two following pieces of communication from the club being one, the manager you all hate has gone and the lad you all love from our academy is taking over and two um, we're going to start doing vaccinations at the stadium for the NHS it's as see-through and as, as sort of cynical as it could be but there's that sort of PR 101 from them, and it's, it's all happened for a reason. And um, it's, it's fucking worked as well, because for a few hours we all started chatting about Mourinho and having a laugh about that and and, and Ryan Mason and everything rather than, than all the other bollocks going on. And it might be a momentary thing. that It's, it's not going to have worked well enough for us to completely forget about what we've jumped into bed with. But it's... Um, yeah, it's just it's just fucking odd, isn't it? It really is, and I think that the, the I saw a tweet um, earlier on about the Mason thing, which was I think it was sort of on the. Let me just find it now because it it was very nice. It's from a guy called Glenn Ebry, um, and he he just he tweeted, "This probably isn't the morning for football fairy tales, but Ryan Mason, who nearly died on a pitch and was forced to retire age twenty six leading his boyhood team out as a manager for a cup final feels like at least some sort of antidote to the circus of greed. And it it, it does in a way. Um, and I, I am, because I'm not just doing this stuff to posture. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't just want to kind of nail my colors to the mast and be like, that's it. Game's gone. The club's dead. But the ESL stuff is going to be something that, is going to probably shape the way I view football and shape the way I view at least the stewardship of what Tottenham Hotspur Football Club is, um, depending on how this plays out. But I think regardless of how it plays out, I think it it really has... 
it's been quite a seismic shift for me. Um, and I'm sort of clinging on to now, suddenly, the, the Carabao Cup as like... As something that it going of it, away party. Well, yeah, I mean the greatest irony is, mate. I've been one of the largest fucking naysayers of the League Cup for years. Of just like, get rid of it. I hate it. I think it's a waste of space. But now, I'm just kind of like, you know, what? this is perhaps maybe the last little window of it might be the last summer we have Harry Kane, Ryan Mason. It's kind of. As somebody who has on record spoken about the effect, the impact that Maurizio Pochettino had on him as a player and as a person and continues to do so in his life, you you can't help but feel that like this is almost like it's a little bit of Poch there in spirit that's going to... Mm-hmm. You know, maybe as much as perhaps Mourinho's got us up to the line, wouldn't it be quite fitting if it was just that that last little, the last little kind of glimmer of Pochettino that exists there within kind of Tottenham now that actually realised it and just gave City that little fuck you. And it doesn't matter that it's a League Cup, it's just... It's a shiny thing at Wembley at the end of the day, you know, and it's and it might just be that nice little kind of like you say a, a going so away party in a way because I sort of said as a joke not long ago, um, I think again it was either on Twitter or I was chatting to someone about it that I don't know in in a way it's it's sort of felt that the past few years have felt really that like Tottenham Hotspur were killed and now it's like a, a it's a bit silence of the lambs it's like Hannibal Lecter is just wearing our face now and that's kind of what's there there's there's the there's the 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 fighting cock badge and our name and our geographic location but we're just a vessel we're a brand for something else now and and I know this starts to go all a bit kind of you know I don't know like just rage against the dying of the light and against modern football and stuff but I really like because I I do kind of hold on to a lot of that feeling um oh and massively yeah and but I mean as I've gotten older you know whatever you, you get a bit more I don't know Tory, for want of a better word, no, but <laughs> you just get a bit more jaded. You get a bit more browbeaten by it all, and you don't, you know, you yeah. don't really feel as much like you can change the world, and you perhaps kind of become a bit more resigned to the way things are. And you know, it's like Winston Smith at the end of nineteen eighty four. The the bullet enters his brain, and he realizes he's he loves Big Brother, you know, and that's that's why he's crying. He can't. You know, spoiler alert, sorry if you haven't read a book that's nah. fucking referenced in mainstream culture for the past 60 years or so, but it's uh, it, it's that kind of thing of like, look, you know, I can... Having been such, like, played such an active role in, like, all the 1882 stuff with the fighting cock lads back in the day, and what kind of thing, you know, in my early 20s when it was just like, we can fucking change the world, we can change everything, you sort of you can still and it's it's not i don't want to say that nobody can and i I don't want to fall into the trap of being that old cunt that sort of smirks at 
you know, Greta Thunberg and people like that and say, like, <laughs> what does she think she's going to be able to do? She'll learn one day, you know. It's like, even if there is a bit, if I'm going to be honest, even if there is a bit of me that sometimes feels that way, if I've had yeah. a bad day and I turn on the fucking news and I see students protesting about something, I think, oh, fuck off. And then... I sort of immediately think, you know, do you know what though? It's fucking good that people still fucking believe in something. Like, and it yep. doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have that. It doesn't hurt to maintain that. That you no, can personally be jaded and cynical of something, but and and it, it doesn't mean that you don't understand that, like, the can or at least hope for more. There's this, there's this idea. There's all these kind of nebulous kind of takes and. I'm so, I'm sorry to say, like it's it's largely from American sports writers. I'm not I'm not digging out Americans in general, and I know a lot of this is probably in part because the ways in which our sports are set up is is very very different. So again, my sort of knee jerk to an American writer saying like, what are all these British people getting so uppity about? It's like it's coming from a place of ignorance on their part almost as much as it's coming from a place of ignorance on my part to be really affronted by that it's it's that the games and the mechanics behind it are are so poles apart that there will probably often be a fundamental lack of kind of understanding there for somebody who is a, a casual observer on the game that's not to say all americans are i know i know a lot of americans who are very learned and love the club and dedicate a lot of their time and their lives got to American friends too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, basically <laughs> in short, who dedicate a lot of time to and love the club just as much as I do, you know. If if we're going to start breaking it down, I'm not even from fucking Tottenham. You know, people there's I'm always going to be a line. But do you know what I mean? There's always going to be that line of like yeah. where do you qualify for being able to support a team kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I just I just it's it's really hard to like this is all very raw you know we're recording this quite late at night and I've been thinking about this all day I've been doing sort of work about this all day and it's hard to really have a position on anything but I don't think that's what anyone listens to this podcast for they listen to the routine breakdowns of yeah. you and I don't they really? well I've been, I've been thinking as you've as you've been talking about all that sort of stuff and it kind of reminds me of when we used to you know the podcast used to be m- that what it used to be when we first started and we had fans of other clubs on and things and we'd have a Chelsea fan on or a City fan and stuff and, and me more than you, me almost entirely me to be honest rather than you because I was in my early 20s and probably still would now to a certain degree but maybe slightly more tactfully. Um, I would question them because of what their club stood for and, and what their success really means and and what it's like to be a, a fan of an entity is that. And I took great pride in the fact that Tottenham were doing more with less and um, we were growing sustainably in a in a more, in, in the right way, so to speak, even though, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we were owned by a tax exile who, yeah. you know, earned his money through betting on currencies and all that sort of shit and, um, it's sort of tallest midget stuff. It's that was something that we took great heart from, and we 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 kind of felt morally superior, or at least I did, uh, for some time because of that. And, and we we've lost that with all of this. Um, and we've we've kind of grown and become the thing that 
we used to rally against in a in a way that I don't think we ever fully intended because we I think we were always quite careful of of never wishing away the ownership because it's better the devil you know and we're likely to be sold to you know something worse with with even uh, more blatant uh, desires for 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 finance and, and all that sort of shit and you know we we kind of felt comfortable in this whole thing of oh we'll we'll keep progressing as a club because you know what Levy wants to do is build us to the point where he can sell us and and you know it'll be you know it'll be fine because on the pitch we'll keep going and and slowly these things will come and it kind of feels as if and this might be a bit much, but right at this very moment in time, like you say, it's a bit wrong. It kind of feels as if like the Pochettino era was our last hurrah, and yeah. that was really where the sixteen uh, seventeen, that last season at White Hart Lane, where oh. the book closed, and, and and that was a not only a, a sort of a, um, a metaphorical ending of the club, but a physical one. We we ripped apart our spiritual home and built in its place a. Quite frankly, amazing and, and still breathtaking, but a, a billion pound tourist attraction. Yeah, and that's it's just not the same thing as it used to be. And and perhaps we were we were too naive to expect us to retain our charm and 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 be the the working class club punching up that we once were because. We're not, and we, we we've said so much this season, Jack. We've we've sat here and we've said, "You look like a super club. Start acting like one." Yeah, and we have, and now we suddenly don't like it. So maybe yeah. we're fucking idiots. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it, but you know, life makes hypocrites of us all, doesn't it? Of you course know? it does. And high sacks twenty twenty. And the other thing is, and I, I think it's a an important point to make because I think it's a point you're allowed to make and something you're allowed to point out without without going against the fact that you um, you disagree with the entire thing in every conceivable fashion. but And you might disagree with me here, but I'll say it just for the sake of having that conversation. What other choice did, did we have where this, this Super League thing came in? We, we could have got this far and then agreed to not be in it, but then what are we? We, that's... That is essentially a turkey voting for Christmas and everything we've worked towards as a football club, you're kind of asking for the opposite if you do that. You 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 are surrendering to existence as a permanent also-ran. And the reason why the fans of every other club and the reason why everyone in the media is so personally affronted by this isn't just the the insult to their ideals, but it's also the knock-on effect that they automatically become second-class citizens in, 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 in a roundabout way because of it. And, you know, it's it's perhaps easier for the German clubs that have the ownership models to hide behind and, and refuse. If, if your greatest rivals aren't doing it and you're not doing it, you can kind of band together and do it. But if you're Tottenham Hotspur and... Five other fuckers in your league are doing it, and they're the five bastards that you try to not just keep up with, but surpass and compete against, and all that sort of stuff. Are you really gonna not join in? Are you really not gonna 
be part of that conversation with everyone else. It's it kind of seems as if they were damned if they didn't, damned if they didn't, and that doesn't mean that I think they've made the right decision or I agree with the principles of it or I think that Daniel Levy isn't isn't tarnishing what he's doing because this is this is Stratford on crack to be quite frank. Yeah. Um. But you kind of you try and look at it objectively just to try and make more sense of it and. Was there another option, really? Um, could we have played this differently? I don't think so. Because then what would we have done? We would have not been part of it and we'd have been in like a a Premier League where we, we finished seventh and qualify for this watered-down Champions League that is essentially the Europa League. And we'll still get banter from other clubs like that are part of the Super League. Like, oh, Spurs are finally a Champions League team in and out and you're still playing against... Slavia Prague or whatever it is, like it's it was just it's such a a paradigm shift that there is no winning or or losing or or whatever out of this. It's just a just a big fucking mess. I know what you mean because there is <laughs> you you do kind of feel like well the the option is to is to make that moral stance but then it's kind of as we said at the top end it's like but what what is the moral ethical stance here that you stand by what the the Premier League and UEFA who routinely you know don't address you know everything from not adequately addressing kind of issues to do with racism i mean for, for example okay I, d- I don't really want to weaponize something like this something uh, 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 as big an argument or a bigger conversation as racism within football but i, I do i i think anyway me as a uh, middle-aged heterosexual white man <laughs> feel that this is potentially a a, a pertinent point to raise here is that it's it is interesting to see how quickly UEFA have mobilized against something that can damage their profits in this way yep. versus how difficult it has supposedly been to kick a fucking team out of a competition when their fans consistently make monkey noises at players or players on teams literally racially abuse a player on a football pitch you know like why that's a difficult issue for them to deal with but straight away they're lawyered up and they can deal with this in not even 24 hours i tried to touch on this earlier when i said i think the the finest point you can kind of put on it is is there's no white knights in this situation or in this sport this is um this is the morally bankrupt having a competition as to who is the most morally bankrupt of them all. And they're all throwing sand and flinging mud. And there is no no moral high ground throughout any of this at all, no matter who you support or where you're from. And, and the shame of the scenario is that these are uh, 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 such a small minority of people with such a huge say on something that means so much to so many and it is that vast majority that this really has more of a tangible effect on 
in terms of emotion and, and care and pastime and love and all those sort of things that you can, you know, depending on how you feel about the sport, either, either see as, you know, too much or hand-wringing or whatever, but it is the case for some of us. They're the ones that suffer. We're the ones that suffer. We're the ones that are kind of left. We didn't ask for this. Our club's part of this pact. But we didn't want it to happen. We didn't know it was going to happen. We didn't ask for it. Nobody asked us. Nobody seems to have asked the players. Um, and, you know, I, I imagine I'd feel much the same if Spurs weren't involved because I'd be kind of sat there going, oh, well, we're fucked now because... What if we do win the Champions League now? It's not going to mean as much because we, we've not really beaten the best to be the best. It's just a, a com- like I said before, it just it changes the sport in such a fundamental, possibly irreversible way that um, it makes you reevaluate your entire association and uh, relationship with. Um, not only the entity that you claim is your own, but the the game as as a as a thing. And uh... I mean, if we again, if we're going to get deeper, like you were saying in the in the top half, you know, it it's an almost existential issue because this is something that you know football is so tied to my life, my identity, everything that I do, pretty much revolves yeah. around it. My love for Tottenham Hotspur as a football club, as a vessel for community, as you know, we we all know in 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 modern life. In, in you met your wife through the club, you know, like the the parish feel that we don't really have in life anymore. It, of course, people don't go to church as much anymore, or you know, even towns and things like that. They're so big and they're so detached and. Nobody has that, but there is still that place, that community. And yeah, okay, sometimes you sat next to a dickhead at moans and whatever, but <laughs> there are just those nights, there are those games when you're there and you just fucking hug a stranger. And again, I know this is all a bit mawkish and it all gets a bit maudlin, but... But it, it, even when you sat next to a dickhead, just on that point, there's a familial thing to it, whereas like you don't pick your family and you could think somebody you're actually related to is a dickhead. In the same way that somebody you share a stand with is, but you're connected in a in a way that neither of you can really refuse to acknowledge because it's it's raw. Me and you, Jack, we've spent the best part of ten years, and Christ knows how many hours, how many million text messages, and whatever else, concentrating on this fucking club, and we wouldn't we we wouldn't be friends without it. We wouldn't be. Oh. You know, it, it has involved with each other's lives. And it's not just as if, like, it's just a football club. We talk about our day-to-day lives. We talk about our jobs. We talk about our other halves. We we talk about television and life and everything. And, you, you know, we have a, a relationship. Just trying to look at it in a sort of a microscopic level without even ha- having to draw it out wider than that. It's just... It underpins and 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 and, um, and makes a an impression on so many different parts of your life. My relationship with my father is is so stitched together by Spurs, and and not in a way that if the club didn't exist, I wouldn't have a <laughs> a relationship with my dad. But it's it's something that we share in a 
in a way that we can understand each other through and gives yeah. us a an easy reference point that we both know. I will never forget for as long as I live, Jack, that goal going in against Ajax with tears oh, in my eyes, right. watching it on my own, me and my father, because I still lived at home at that point before I moved out with my missus. I remember telling you at the time, my mum refused to let us watch the games together <laughs> because we would egg each other on too much. And this man's running up the stairs with tears in his eyes the same way I've got tears in mine. And we meet on the landing, just give each other the biggest hug and we're just laughing and, and crying and fucking hopping around hysterically because it's some man's put a ball in a net and it just means so much to us. And, and that's going to be one of my cherished memories for as long as I live. When the time comes that I'm on my deathbed, I dare say that hug with my father is one of the things I'm going to remember most fondly. So it's... And it's, it's this idea that it it's almost... And the, the thing is, like, you know, it might be one of these things that we listen back to in a year's time and we have a laugh about a pod like this. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's not really... I don't think we should be embarrassed about no, this, though, because you know, it's, the it's, people involved with making this decision ought to be aware of what the fuck they're toying with. But they don't care. And I think they I do don't, they don't they give a don't fuck. Care. And that's that is the you know, that's the 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 kicker, right? It, because people I get it, naysayers will say, All those things you've described there, those feelings don't go away. That those memories don't go away. And yeah, there is there is a point to that, but it's the idea that you know, in the eyes of somebody that, that was just uh, it's not even that. It's not. It's not the sense that it's like commodified at all. I mean, that sort of, it makes me uncomfortable on a certain level. But it's just a sense that we're not going to get that anymore. Those highs, like, all right, the, the fuck it, I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I, you know I, I don't still hold a torch for Maurizio Pochettino. <laughs> the the man, the man put it as he always did, often did when he wasn't going off on a weird one about lemons and stuff like that. He. <laughs> When he said after that Ajax game, you know, without football, these sort of feelings, I think they're not possible, you know? And it's it's this, this idea that, that this, this little thing that exists still, and I touched on this on the end of Spurs Wipe as well, you know, we've got limitless entertainment at our fingertips now with Netflix... Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Max. Fucking podcasts like this. Uh, you know, uh, but we still continue to give so much of ourselves to football. Something mm. that there's there's no, you know, I, and, and I get it, like, you know, like people who aren't as into football, like, uh, yeah, family members of mine who, who don't particularly like it, who are like, but... Why you know? Why do you get so angry over it? Like you've got no, you've got no control over that. You, it's like, but, but that's that's part of the, that's part of the ride. That's part yeah. of the fun. Like that's what makes you feel alive. You, you know that you you you. It's like being on a fucking roller coaster. Like it literally is. Like it's that feeling of right. I'm in the hands of someone else now. Like it's that little buzz. A little buzz. I think most people get when they fly. Still doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're scared of flying or whatever. But there's still that little bit in the back of your mind of like. What the fucking pilots having a soldado day today? Do you know what I mean? Of just like not just that, but the you know 
this tin can is not supposed to be this high up. Yeah, and and I guess that's what that's what football is, right? Like this 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 tin can isn't supposed to be this high up. We you know we we we've got no right to be so invested in in this thing, but we do. Like it 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 determines your entire week, your mood for the week. Yeah, you know, and it it's insane. And like we said, after that Champions League final. Everyone, every, every single person I knew who was Spurs was fucking broken, like broken mm-hmm. as people, not just like, they weren't just unhappy football fans, they were broken, like on a really deep level, that kind of almost like level of like, you know, I'm probably never going to see that again. Like, it, was, it was a period of mourning. Yeah. And I, that's not to... That's not to downplay actual mourning, but that's kind of just to highlight what how raw and how real those emotions were. It, it was... I said it before, that, that that entire experience was the most sort of emotionally expansive and involving thing that has ever happened to me and now we're just gonna have all that replaced by some marvel type bullshit of like you know we know that captain america isn't gonna die we know that not in a real sense anyway there's there's no there's no peril you know i'm sure somebody now is gonna go well actually captain america does die in something or but but the point, yeah, you know, I'm sort of jumping on Scorsese's coattails of it a bit, in that like, it's entertainment, and I get that. And this football, on a on a sort of level, when we do be like, you know, it will be like, what's on telly tonight? Don't really fancy anything on Netflix. Oh fuck, Spurs are on in the ESL against Barcelona. Go on, slap it on then. But is that is that? Is that what a, a Tottenham playing Barcelona oh. should be? Go I on, think... might as well stick it on because it's that or watch fucking Fast and the Furious 28 well, It becomes or Coronation Street, doesn't it? Exactly. But, um, I think Rory Smith put it beautifully. I think it was him earlier who essentially said something like, um, when you remove the peril and the competition from football, it's no longer sport, it's content. And that's what this is. It's it's. There's no integrity or, or competition involved with this because you put put that Ajax result in the parameters of a European Super League as they're discussing it, and it doesn't mean as much because we know the next year we're going to be playing Ajax again three four times, and one of the the one of the reasons why we go back to that moment in the Champions League final is because none of that was guaranteed. None of it was promised. It was fleeting. It was likely to never come again. And it was a singular, unique experience that we had never seen the likes of before and unlikely to see the likes of again. And what this proposal does is... um, takes that away because one of the buzzers like you say like flying is you don't know if you're going to be in a Champions League the next season after it you don't know if you're going to be playing these people you don't know who's going to draw against you and where the 
journey's going to take you. You don't know how it's going to go. And that's that's not just the beauty of Champions League football. That's the beauty of football. Because even in a in a league season, you you go in knowing that you've got objectives to fulfil. And if the only objective is win the title or bust, then for like, what, 15 teams, it's pretty fucking pointless. Um, and for the people either getting relegated or winning, then it's fine. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I I, uh, I think we're just going to start going around in circles now. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it is what it is, and I hope I. I think the 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 place I'd probably leave it is that. I hope probably against my better judgment that. This somehow sparks a a a, a period of, self reflection and and um, self awareness amongst not just the clubs involved but all the clubs as a whole. Um in which they acknowledge and rectify and, 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 and embrace the the duty of care they have, not towards the supporters, but the sport as a whole, to keep it an integral and sort of self-sustained thing that exists beyond the parameters of of business and, and, and pure finance. And it is allowed to be competitive in a in a way that we can all still escape to and derive some pleasure from and it might not look the way it looks now and things constantly change and get uh, reformatted and what have you because people come in with different ideas and want to do different things and fancy a league here or a knockout there or two stages of leagues or whatever. This isn't like, it's not like the Champions League's always been in the current format it currently is and it's not always going to be that way and it's not as if the Premier League isn't 28 years old and, and all that sort of bollocks. So if we can somehow come out of this with a sport intact that isn't fractured and isn't, so outwardly despicable that we're allowed to hide behind a, a level of naivety and ignorance to just support our team and be fans and talk about things like does Harry Kane like us and <laughs> did Eric Lamella mean that Rabona and all that sort of shit because that's all we're here for. We're not here to have breakdowns and existential crises and, and all that. That's what the rest of fucking life's for. I'm not here to discuss finance and the realities of politics and and race and all the other things because that's all things I have to wrestle with in the other 99% of my day and that's not what I look to football to escape to or from. It's just... It's not. So if we can get some of that back, it would be nice. And if we don't, then um, it was uh, it was good while it lasted. We'll start the Phoenix Club, mate. We'll get it going. FC Hotspur Tottenham. Yeah, let's do it. I said I said AFC Hotspur in a uh, in a tweet about it, and I started getting called out. I was like, yeah, probably ill advised to uh, to to preface Tottenham with AFC, wouldn't it? But. Uh, 
Fuck it, we'll go, we'll get, as I was saying, we'll get the red kit like we used to do. Let's go full anti-Tottenham and uh, kick it off from there. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good, been good talking this one over with you, mate. It's a, it's a lot of, a lot of this is very raw. So if anyone is still listening at this point, like these aren't fully formed ideas. These aren't kind because of. Because nobody's got fully formed no. ideas. Not even the fucker signing up for it. Exactly. You know, like it's, 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 it's emotional. And it's uh, it is a thing because, like as you said, Raj, it is you know it's it is an important thing. It's something like you know, look at this, this fucking podcast we do. We've done it for, like you say, nearly a decade now, hundreds if not thousands of hours. I don't know how many, maybe close to devoting time to this. And it's you know, we we may have professional interests in a similar ballpark but ultimately this is a hobby and it's done as a labour of love it's something we both enjoy and you know hopefully it, I don't think I'm being big-headed in saying I'm just going on what you know people have said since the podcast come back that it brings a bit of joy to other people who are listening and that's you know it's a, it's a nice thing to know um uh, so you know, I think. I think one of the the benefits of um, of standing where we do in the space that we stand in is knowing that the majority of people that, that listen to this, and probably all of them, to be frank, if they've stuck around this long or have just discovered it, or whatever, uh, are fairly like minded and they approach these type of things from a similar sort of place that we do, and I think that's why why the audience we have is the audience we have, and. And we have the conversations with them that we do is because we we have a kinship and a an understanding of 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 where we come from with this type of thing and that that's um that's a good thing and um maybe to end it on a light note though there are there are as with everything in life always aberrations and i uh i do <laughs> i do uh, um hark back to the time we had a i think it was a a, a ukip counselor who was a <laughs> oh wanted to who was saying he that shared, he loved the podcast yeah, he, and we just he told loved fuck the off. podcast he shared it and you just i believe i i remember sitting my phone on whatsapp it was like a story in three acts i had a pasted tweet and then <laughs> i just had you saying i'm all right to tell this guy to fuck off right <laughs> and then I check back on Twitter and I just see this scathing like please don't ever listen to us again <laughs> you like reprehensible prick or something you know um, but yeah I just thought I'd end it on a on oh a, that on guy a that guy's probably note. still listening now right he's, <laughs> he's, he's got his reform parties he's enjoyed the two hour discussion we've had and he's he's had his football club shit on. He's had his, his his manager sacked, and then he's like, "Oh fuck's sake! Just leave me alone! I, just, I don't tweet at you anymore. Just let me wallow in my racism. <laughs> like, it makes me feel warm because I'm scared." <laughs> Um, oh no, you have cheered me up by reminding me of that. There are some fucking weird things that this podcast have, has allowed us to. Maybe like when the season's done, we can do like a. I don't know. We'll come up to an anniversary episode, and at some point, we can just. We'll I just have we a chat about. I noticed that the other day. I think we missed the two hundredth, and I was like, "Have we? Oh, fuck, we didn't mark it with something." 
Yeah, what we'll do is like at the end of the season or whenever the football club like folds in on itself or whatever, we'll have a we'll have a chat where we just like the when we text each other and go, oh, do you remember that weird guy that we spoke to once? <laughs> we'll just do that on air because it'll be nice to nice to do and it'll be a laugh and uh, we don't have to talk about fucking actual football. There we go. Um, if you do want to listen to any of the previous episodes of Rule the Roost podcast, you can do so on Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think it's on an Amazon one that we've had, when I've looked at the analytics, zero listens from. But if you do use Amazon Podcasts, we're on there. So, you know, if, you, if you've got a preference to that, you can listen to it on there. But no one has done so far. So, Amazon, up your game. If you want to buy this football club, not a football club, if you want to buy this brand, right, up your game and make your podcast platform more accessible and more just more widely acknowledged. You know, you've got the biggest marketing budget that anybody could ever have. You're like the you're like richer than all of the fucking like, I don't know, kings of Egypt that ever existed and stuff like that. I think that was a, a recent thing, isn't it? Jeff Bezos has I wasn't just being a gammon there. Like there is some weird thing that Jeff Bezos is now, even with um, inflation in adjustment, is the richest human being that's ever, ever. existed. Um, but anyway, I digress. Listen to the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a long. I don't one, think they it's... will have enjoyed it, Jack. I just. No. I hope you made it through it. But it's been somewhat cathartic. Just know that everybody is is feeling the pain, and for those of you that aren't, get to fuck. Especially that UKIP guy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>